Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Threepcast. Hello. Episode 5. Episode 5. After a very long hiatus. Yes. Um, I'm Elliot. I am Anton. This is Phil. This is Alex. <laughs> Alex, be joining us for this episode. Mm-hmm. And yes, this is episode five, and um, we uh, decided to cancel the planned "Strong Bad School Game for Attractive People" episode <laughs> due, due to logi- prolonged logistical issues. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we did I've, try. I've been sitting on the edge of my seat waiting for that episode. I mean, come on, really? <laughs> we'll, um, we'll, we'll swing back around for it later. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, we decided instead to do uh, "Day of the Tentacle" as the subject for this episode. An old favorite. An old favorite. Probably the oldest favorite. Um, (laughs) Yes. So, yes. And we're also going to talk about some news. We're going to read some feedback. Yeah. yeah. Honest to goodness feedback that got sent in for this episode. Woo! And anything else that comes up. Anything and everything. Anything and everything. So, yes, it's been about almost little over a year since our last episode. (laughs) So, normally this is the part where I ask everybody's week has went. But mm-hmm. instead, I'm going to ask, how was everybody's year <laughs> since the last episode? <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, do you want to start, or? Um, I can start, I guess. Um, now I feel silly, because I don't do feel we? like anyone wants to hear a year-long summary of my life. <laughs> well, <laughs> just, y- y- just, if just you just cr- pack it into one sentence. Yeah. Um, movies, moving, and some other m word <laughs> monsters monsters yes M- movies moving and monsters i think that's uh the mm. last year in summary mm-hmm. uh-huh all right i want to try to compose a haiku about my year well do you want to work on that while i hear it i'm gonna i'm gonna wing it okay, okay. go go <clears throat> a master's degree not enough time on my hands oh well here we go (laughs) (laughs) it could have been worse i'm proud i think that was i i I was trying to count the syllables i think that was correct if it wasn't correct please send us feedback to let us know so i can improve my haiku skills feedback in a haiku form right Uh, it's five seven five syllables right yes Mm -hmm. yes okay so send us your feedback in haiku form yeah Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> All right, Phil, how was your year? Well, um, I can't remember if we actually talked about this last time we, you know, did the podcast, but, you know, I am a pre-med student, and, uh, yeah, Woo-hoo! I'm gearing up to take the MCAT pretty soon. Woo! It's going to be, like, in April, I think. Right now, this is going to be uh, uh, July, late July, for those listening for posterity. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, just kind of prepping for that. Uh, recently, I've gotten really invested in the uh, Zero Escape series for DS, and hopefully, eventually, we can get to those on this podcast. It's a fantastic Ooh. series, and yeah, that's just about all I've been doing. That and League of Legends. <laughs> all, and, always uh, fun. Always fun. Go watch LCS. LCS is the best. <laughs> wow. Alex, since you're a new host on the podcast, do you want to just give a little quick introduction about yourself? I am a man who has been consumed by Blizzard, and I am proud. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's a good segue. I should ask, uh, what games has everybody been playing? 
Starcraft 2, Starcraft 2, Heart of the Swarm. <laughs> Gears yeah. of the Storm, Hearthstone, you know. Um, World of Warcraft. <laughs> see, I'm trying to think. Other than the Xeroscape series, that covers 999 and VLR. Uh, yeah, League of Legends. Uh, I've also been playing Xenoblade Chronicles. That's pretty yeah. cool. I had a lot of Smash Bros and Splatoon. At the start of the year, I got a the pack on Humble Bundle of all three Bioshock games that I had never played any of them before. So those have been entertaining, and I've been playing through them all. I'm developing severe paranoia from Bioshock One, <laughs> and I'm uh, gonna blame Anton for it forever. Yeah, okay, that's that's fair. And it's I, Governor. I have been playing uh, The Last of Us and Broken Age recently. Uh, have you the finished Broken Age? Tim Schafer classic. I, I have not. I'm trying to go slow because I know that um, it's uh, not, you know, a 30-hour yeah. game. Yeah, and it's going to be a while before they do another one like that. Right, yeah. I don't think there's going to be a Broken Age Act 3. I think <laughs> I think this is the end of the game. <laughs> or I, I just need, like, another Tim Schafer adventure game TM. Right, yeah. It's going to be a while. I imagine after the... Uh, the uh, sort of tortured development cycle that this went through, I think they're going to be a little more wary before doing another uh, yeah. crowdfunded, publicly exposed adventure game. Though I guess they could just do it like regular and not mm -hmm. tell anyone about the tortured development cycle. Though <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so I feel like this this experience is probably going to be good in the long run because it'll probably encourage them to like put I don't know plan it all out in advance I guess and have it uh, all yeah spend a little bit more time developing the structure before and we go we ahead should, and And we should do a proper Broken Age episode to talk about this. Definitely. But, yeah. Yeah. Kind of game yeah. on topic, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, and Last of Us has been good. I haven't ever played that before. Um, I'm an Uncharted fan, so Last of Us was pretty uh, easy transition. <laughs> uh -huh. it's, uh, it's been a lot of fun so far. Yay. And I attempted to play Five Nights at Freddy's 4 uh, <laughs> earlier this week. That didn't go so well. <laughs> Is it really that bad? Okay, how does it rank against, like, 1? Um, in terms of gameplay, you're a lot more vulnerable than you are in any of the other Five Nights at Freddy's games because okay. you have no camera system now. Right. The only way you can tell where people are in in your well, it takes place in your house basically. Yeah. The only people, the only way you can tell where people are is by listening for audio cues. So you have to like go up to the doors <sighs> and listen <laughs> for sounds like either footsteps or breathing. And the problem that I found was that it is almost impossible to hear the breathing cues. I don't know mm -hmm. if it was just I didn't have the proper sound settings or what. I but. think he he made a patch to increase the volume. Oh, did he? Lots of people complained about it. Oh, okay, that's good. So yeah, um, I'll I'll give it another try then. Um, the breathing <laughs> kind of made it impossible uh -huh. for me to like make any kind of like strategy or progress just because right. I couldn't hear the cues. Yeah. Um, but I have to say, like psychologically, this is probably the most terrifying Five Nights at Freddy's game <laughs> because yeah. previously you would get jump scared if you like were just not paying attention. Like the jump scares would happen regardless of your actions. If they are in the hallway in the dark and you turn on your flashlight, you get jump scared immediately if they're right there. Mm -hmm. So it's like you you initiate the jump scare, so it makes it like worse uh, because you don't know if they're going to be there or not. Because <laughs> you're afraid to take any action because right, exactly. it could be it. Right. all the designs are a lot more visually... Well, yeah, right. The animatronics are a lot more terrifying to look at. This, the whole thing is very unnerving and... Mm -hmm. I found it to be a lot more frightening than number three, to be honest. Mm -hmm. Also, you can 
you have to uh, constantly turn around and look at your bed. Right. Yeah. There's no like safe zone. Well, I mean, there's never really been a safe zone in, in these games, but it's like even in your like default position, you still have to turn around and look behind you to make sure nothing's gonna come up behind right. you. Right. Yeah, I I wasn't I wasn't able to finish one complete game. Like I would get in a couple hours and then get too scared and I'd hand all the controls to Elizabeth and be like, <laughs> "Okay, you take over. I can't do I can't deal with this." Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah, it's been. Yeah, I, I guess I'll go back and try it again now that there's a patch. Yeah. So. Fun uh, stuff. Okay. Um, getting back on topic to adventure games. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, let's talk about some adventure game news. <laughs> All right, so um, there's been a lot of adventure game news in the past year. I just picked like a couple of uh, the top highlights of things that have uh, been announced and talked about recently. The cream crop. The cream crop, yes. Uh, I think the first thing to bring up is uh, the King's Quest remake, yes. which is coming out in a few days. Yeah. Uh, what is what's you guys' opinion on that? Do you think it looks good? Do you think it's a bad idea? What do you think? It looks it looks really fun. Like, I'm, I know this sounds kind of complainy, but speaking as just kind of, uh, I don't know. I always had a very hard time getting into the old like adventure games, so I'm really happy they're remaking things mm -hmm. to like uh, appeal to a younger generation. I think more, mm -hmm. make it more accessible because right. really text games are kind of eh, a relic at this point. I'd say, right. Yeah, but well, they, I mean, even the old, the older King's Quests always seem kind of stodgy and uh, I don't know. They're really hard. Well, okay, well they're really hard, but it's also like I guess they take themselves very seriously. And this new re this new game seems more like they're trying to make it into something like Monkey Island, where Graham is just kind of a goofy comic character. Yeah, Monkey Island was the first vibe I got when I saw the newest trailer, where you actually get to see Graham going around talking to people. It seems very uh, goofy and mm -hmm. more. Uh, Less, yeah, like you said, less stodgy than the old King's Quest, yeah. where they're trying to be like a, a, a serious fairy tale right. kind of story. This um, one seems yeah. like it's less inclined to take itself seriously. Mm -hmm. Although they did, they did work for some of the King's Quests, and I, it's like King's Quest Six. I, I felt like I oh, it's I guess that that King's wasn't totally Quest serious. But yeah, we gotta get to that later. It oh. had goofy elements, but right. yeah, you mostly took it seriously. Yeah, and I, I think that that worked. They made that work there, but sometimes like King's Quest Eight is just like what. Okay. <laughs> I'm looking up things now, and I'm I really like the art style so much. Yeah, I know. I had no That's... idea they were remaking King's Quest. I googled it. Well, it's not really a proper remake. I don't think. I think it's, it's like a, a it's like a prequel. It, it's like a continuation slash prequel, like a new game. It's not it's not a remake of any of the old King's Quests. It looks good. I, I visually it looks compelling. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, we should review that at some point. Yes. Definitely. Gotta do it. He says it's coming out in a few days. Yes, very huh. soon. Like three days, I think. Um, okay, next piece of news. Um, <laughs> Telltale recently announced, or they announced it a while ago, they recently released a trailer for a uh, Minecraft story mode. At Minecon. At Minecon. Uh, now, I'm, <laughs> I am probably the only one here who has not played <laughs> Minecraft properly. You guys have all played Minecraft mm -hmm. before. Uh, what's your opinion on this? Is Do you think it's... 
good or dumb or what? I, I think it's very, very, like... Oh, what's the word? I'm, I'm thinking of a word, but just kind of <laughs> ridiculous in a way. No, like, yeah. Minecraft fever, I think, is already peaked, and it's on the decline, but just... Mm -hmm. We have Minecraft everything, and now it's like we're getting a Minecraft adventure game. I don't know. I think, you know, it's Telltale. I think they'll do a good job. It just seems like very, it'll be very weird. I'd, mm -hmm. It's I'm, all going to, in my opinion, it's all going to hinge on the characters and mm -hmm. how good of a story they can make. You know, the setting has, for Telltale, like for me, the setting has never been as important as can they make compelling characters yeah. and can they make an interesting story. Mm -hmm. I'd, I'd really like to see how they uh, use the universe logic of, you know, you can break just about any block. and like Right. Like, I don't imagine you'll have any scenarios where you're, like, trapped in a room or something like that because, you know, you can just break out. <laughs> I think they're, they're, like, they're not going to treat it as Minecraft as Minecraft, though. It's going to be, like, as though these are people living in the Minecraft world. Right. So you like might not necessarily be thing. able to mine through. Yeah, I guess. It seems like... It seems like they're kind of tapping into the whole let's play stuff that mm. like 8 to 12 year old people are into these days. What's <laughs> Where it's the like, genre? you know, make, making up a story set in this Minecraft world, it's all made out of blocks. Right, yeah, What's is that a let's play genre when it's like you're making up a pretend story using nothing but the Minecraft engine? Is that let's yeah. play or is that something else? I think that, that that falls under the umbrella of let's play. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm gonna love Role playing maybe. The, this yeah. game looks terrible mm -hmm. because at the first part of the game, <laughs> they hand him three cobblestones, two sticks. I know, I saw that. They build an iron pickaxe out of what cobblestone. What are you doing, Telltale? <laughs> Obviously, they doing? didn't do enough research. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, it looks it's... fine. <laughs> that, that's gonna be another thing. I'll be interested if they like bend like the rules of like everyone who's played Minecraft knows pretty well like what makes what. I wonder if they'll change it up like mm -hmm. I don't know yeah. make things that you can't make in the game in other words right, right. they'll probably do a little bit of that I guess it seems I I, I, don't, I have the sense that they're going to stick pretty close to the mechanics of the world and just try to make a story about it right. it seems kind of fan fiction-y maybe just based on the trailer but I think that that's probably because that's that's the target audience it's like I, I am not the target audience for this game <laughs> right like most of Telltale's output recently has been very mature games like Game of Thrones and Borderlands and Walking Dead. This is like kind of a change of pace for them. Yeah, that's that's another good thing because I know Alex, you've kind of talked about that how you feel like Telltale's gotten too dark lately, mm -hmm. and, and this is a kind of a more yeah. like their older games. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'll I'll be interested to see it. Telltale always does a good job with stuff, so I'm I'm yeah. on board. They have a pretty good track record. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, that's Minecraft story mode. I have one more thing I want to bring up um, before we move on. Uh, recently, and I, I'm getting this from a Mix and Mojo, or the International House of Mojo, so citing sources. Um, so you guys may be familiar with a thing called Disney Infinity, which is, yeah. you know, everybody's favorite figurine collecting, collect em up thing. It's um, not Amiibo. The uh, vice president of production at Disney Interactive... Uh, John Vignacci, I don't know how to say his last name. He has announced that he wants characters from LucasArts Adventure Games as a part of Disney Infinity. Hmm. And the way you can help him achieve this is you take to Twitter and use the hashtag OurDisneyInfinity 
and let the powers at LucasArts know that you want Guybrush <laughs> and Manny Calavera and all those guys as figurines Ooh, Manny. in Disney Infinity. Apparently, yeah, apparently they're running a campaign where people can come and vote on characters they'd like to see in the game. Right. So it would be really cool to have figurines of adventure like characters. Like Goku! Let's see, you could get Manny Calavera, you could get Guybrush Throughput. I don't know if you could get away with uh, Ben from Full Throttle, but that Maybe. Would, be, would be pretty good. That That's kind of like <laughs> leaning towards the more obscure, less recognizable. Yeah, yeah. Maybe Purple Tentacle. Uh, I was actually thinking Purple Tentacle. I would, would, I would almost buy Disney Infinity just so I could play a game that has those characters in it. See, okay, <laughs> here's the thing. Like the, the reason I love the Amiibos and kind of the whole figurine like culture that's come up over the past like two years, mm-hmm. it's like you get figurines of characters that you normally would never be able to yeah, find anything for. Right. Like they would never the obscure Japanese normal. characters in Smash Bros. And Shulk, yeah. right? Shulk and Shulk. Shulk, yeah. Shulk. Some of the weirder Shulk. superheroes that like they haven't made movies of, and you can't get figurines. You can get these little like tiny action figure guys. Yeah. So yeah, I would love to go into a store and just see a bunch of Lechucks sitting there. <laughs> <laughs> I would too. What a time to be alive! I know, right? Seriously. Like just within the last couple of years, like I feel like there's been such a uh, a great awareness. Yeah. That a great awareness of like these old games has been made like with steam and good old games like you know just a few years ago we'd go around complaining about how so many of these games are unattainable and you'd either have to like pirate them or get them on ebay yeah and now it's like pretty much almost the entire lucas arts back catalog is either available right now or is going to be available soon mm-hmm. so yeah sometimes this this uh this episodes game which is not available i guess it will be eventually oh right yeah that's a good good uh, thing to bring up uh and i I was going to mention this later when we actually get to day of the tentacle proper but uh yeah day of the tentacle is currently out of print which is kind of a shame i know it's unbelievable so yeah yeah. you can't download it on steam no no, you can't get it anywhere but uh last christmas they announced it uh and i feel bad i don't know this off the top playstation experience event is where they announced it uh, Tim Schafer announced that Double Fine is working on a special edition of Day of the Tentacle, so which, as I understand it, is going to be like what LucasArts did with Monkey Island uh, 1 and 2, where they're going to update the graphics and kind of spruce it up a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I'm really excited about that. Yeah. Um, and then that also means Day of the Tentacle is going to be in print again. So mm-hmm. if you can't get it right now, you know, hold tight for a couple more months or, you know... We're not just saying checked. nothing, but there are ways <laughs> to get it. I just checked on eBay today. The, uh, <laughs> there is a special version of Day of the Tentacle that was released in a triangle-shaped box that is very, very hard to get. C- the current asking price on eBay for this is $3,900. <laughs> but um, most average copies of Day of the Tentacle are not that expensive. And, yeah. Yeah. It, it's but- worth playing. I mean, as you'll, you'll probably get the... Uh, the impression that we all think that <laughs> the more you listen to this episode how do you know just what i'm gonna say ROM. how do you know seriously just download the rom it's not that hard alex you can't download roms of computer games it's legal bro it doesn't no, work that way no because they're not they're not roms oh what are they called them they're just the game oh um, sort of like from cartridges oh i get it yeah just download it on the internet but shh that's illegal 
we don't we'll, want to we'll go to podcast jail for we'll endorsing we'll illegal activities. Out. Right. We'll cut that out. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, moving on. Oh yeah. So go to Twitter. Use the hashtag uh, our Disney Infinity and uh, vote for or suggest LucasArts characters. I already did. Who did you, you did? vote for? I voted for Guybrush Threepwood. Boring. Oh. I should have voted for Weird Ed's hamster. Yeah, Weird yes, Ed would be Weird, weird Ed Edison and Doc- his hamster. A Dr. Fred would be awesome. What about Zach McCracken, everyone's favorite LucasArts character? <laughs> what about yes. the, the guy from Dig? <laughs> that nobody Robert remembers Patrick's his name. Character. Robert Patrick's character. Yeah. Yeah. Agent Doggett. In space. See, now, now I don't think of him as Agent Doggett. I think of him as the T-1000 now. Uh. Anyway, uh, getting back on track, uh, let's read old feedback. It's so old that the people who wrote it are probably dead by now. Well, let's hope not. We unearthed it from an ancient Egyptian tomb. Right. Let me uh, let me just blow all the dust off of this feedback. So you should put some of the feedback in chat so that other people can read it. Just so it's not you reading all of it. Ah. Yes, saying. Do what? Oh yeah. Chat. You should pass it around so we can we can all read some of the feedback. Oh yeah. Okay. I'll I'll do that so you guys can uh, read that. Okay. Okay. Um. So um, we got MP3 feedback. Uh, roughly a year ago, and I feel really bad that we <laughs> we uh, we stopped doing the podcast after like some of this feedback came in because like the whole thing was we did four episodes and I started feeling like no one was listening, and then we got busy with other projects, and that was the moment when people started sending mm-hmm. stuff in. I was like, oh, <laughs> so I felt kind of bad about that, but we're finally reading your feedback. Sorry, sorry. Okay, <laughs> and thank you. So uh, our first piece of feedback is an MP3 sent in. And I apologize if I'm mangling up your name. But uh, go, go, comes in go. from Ubaldo Navarro, and let's listen to what he has to say about Threepcast. Hello, guys, and greetings from Mexico City. My name is Ubaldo Navarro. Um, well, I've been checking your show since podcast number one, and it has been a really a great surprise that it has improved so much since the first one. Um, I wanted to let you guys know that, well, um, there are people listening to you here in Mexico City, and also if it's possible that sometime in a future episode that you talk about Adventuresoft. Um, I have a podcast here in Mexico, and I've reviewed uh, Simon the Sorcerer, and people that listen to the podcast, they seem to enjoy it, they really liked it, but, well, here in Mexico, it was really difficult to get some games and I had to in in a, in a trip that I made to United Kingdom I I bought it but well I got part 1 and part 2 but well the, when I first played it it was on the floppy disk so it had no English voice and the demo I tried it, it had the, the English voice so it was just really cool and then it was like a let down but well, uh, what I wanted to to give some feedback on is that maybe, for example, if you decide to talk about Adventure Soft in in a future, you could talk about um, 
who who was Adventure Soft and also what are these guys doing right now? What happened because well they tried uh, going 3D with someone and well it it just it was a fluke. So well maybe we can understand uh, adventure games right now and things like Telltale series and well of course the the the, the zombies those zombie series. Uh, but first we need to to know and we need to understand where. Where is the, all that people, right? For example, Green Fandango has just been announced for, for uh, in the Sony conference. I think it was just for the beta. I don't know if it's going to be also on the PlayStation 4. But well, people need to understand where that hype comes from, and also where is that people? When where is that people working right now? So well, greetings from Mexico City. Keep up the good job, and thank you very much for the podcast. See you. Okay, thank you for that, Ubaldo. Uh, yeah. Yes, we're all big fans of Simon the Sorcerer, or at least... Um, Alex, have you ever played Simon the Sorcerer? No. <laughs> I think Anton and Phil have both played it, right? Yes. I, I well, attempted no. it. Uh, it's... Eh. I, I, I watched you play it. it, was, it was okay. So, uh, all right, so we're all peripherally aware of Simon the Sorcerer, <laughs> put it that way. I mean, here's the I, thing. Like, I was not... I don't think I was ready for an adventure game that hard yet. It was right when yeah, I was starting it's pretty adventure tricky. games. It is a very, at least the first one is very, very difficult. Uh, the second one they made uh, much easier. Um, I didn't have any trou- any problems with the second one, but mm-hmm. the first one was very difficult. Um, yeah, we uh, we actually uh, talked about this before recording. Uh, we've worked Simon the Sorcerer into the uh, our schedule of future episodes um, because you know we want to make sure that we're you know responding to feedback and yeah. giving giving to yeah. people what they want. So <laughs> we're uh, we will do a Simon the Sorcerer episode at some point. Um, so uh, yeah, and we can talk about Adventure Soft and yeah, all that good stuff. It, so it, it just boggles my mind that they were listening to our podcast all the way from episode one. I know. Yeah, right? I know. Really. It's like, oh and no, uh, don't do that. And pe- people from uh, people from Mexico City too. Yeah, so, I know. That's really to ev- cool. To everyone in Mexico City, hi. Oh, Hello. International. <laughs> okay. So, so yeah, that's pretty cool. I hadn't really so, thought about this, but I guess a lot of these games would have been really hard to get outside of like. US, Outside UK. of like the US and UK, yeah, exactly. It's like so that's but, probably another plus about having things like good old games and Steam or it's distributed mm-hmm. digitally. Is the, exactly, it's yeah, the, yeah, yeah. The reach is much so, longer. Right, so that's so not localized, I guess. But yeah, I think it. Better I mean, than it's probably got subtitles. Maybe I don't. I don't know. That's a, that'd be a good thing to find One out. One thing yeah. I really liked about his feedback was he talked kind of about you know how I flew over to UK to get a copy of Simon the Sorcerer. Yeah, I think it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's, that's dedication. It's dedication, but also just I really miss that kind of that awesome mm. feel you get when you like buy something or order something and comes in the uh-huh. mail, like a physical thing. Yeah, a, ra- a rare relic. Yes. Right. I kind of <laughs> miss those, but like like you guys were saying, it's really good now that we have ways and means to get it online. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So thank you for that feedback. Um, yeah. Yes. All right. So uh, yes, we have one more piece of written feedback from. Uh, Carl Smythe, or wow, Smith. Carl. Smith and, or Smith. Uh, yes, so Phil, would you like to read that? Sure. All right. <clears throat> Hello, Bearded Trio. I grew up playing the LucasArts adventure games. The other big adventure games that stand out from my youth are Rise of the Dragon and Heart of China from Dynamax Mix, and the Leisure Suit Larry games. I don't think we've played any of those. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, um... 
Anyway, moving on. Yeah, anyway. <laughs> Eventually? Okay. Uh, <clears throat> Please question King's Quest. Most, Well, most of the Sierra Adventure games just didn't do it for me as a lad. After Grim Fandango, I sort of lost an interest in adventure games on PC, Amiga, or they just slowly dwindled as a genre. Uh, that's kind of sad. The last memorable adventure mm-hmm. game sure. I played is the Broken Sword series on iOS, as the time... As time is limited these days, mm. so gaming is usually to and from work. Maybe a segment on mobile adventure games, gaming. Bleh, I can't read today. Maybe a segment on mobile adventure gaming as big now with the success of Telltale. Those Walking Dead truly an adventure game, more of a graphic game on wheels. The Telltale Hector game is worth playing. Just to comment on your podcast, constructive criticism since you asked for it. Mm. Try to get information from other sources than Wikipedia, Elliot. <laughs> <laughs> The question section, I don't know, but I skip these. Maybe I just find them a tad boring. Other than these small points, I like the podcast. I quite like the podcast and the enthusiasm in the early mm-hmm. days. Hope you guys keep going. Regards, Carl. Aww. Yay. Yay. Thank you, Carl. That's great to hear. Thank you for the uh, constructive criticism. And, uh, yeah, that is kind of sad how um, Adventure Games did kind of dwindle out for mm-hmm. a while. and. It, it, I don't know if it's just growing up or what. It does seem like there's not as much time these days to sit down not and yet. dedicate to like playing like a long adventure game and getting mm-hmm. into it. Yeah, adventure games are easier than some genres though, because you can save it at any point. It's not like oh, I'm in the middle of an action sequence. You can just put it down, and pick it up later. Right. Makes it yeah, work well think, for I, mobile platforms. Right, the mobile uh, revolution has really helped with that, I think, so that you can kind of, you know, take your adventure games on the go and you don't have to be sitting in front of your computer mm-hmm. to, you know, dedicate yeah. time to it. So, yeah, great feedback. Um, let's see, what what games did he list? He talked about the Hector. I've never played Hector Badge of Carnage. I heard about, I've heard about it, yeah. It's I haven't never heard do. of the uh, Dynamics games. Uh, I think Dynamics was an offshoot of Sierra, and people can huh. correct me if I'm wrong. I think they were like a sub, like company that Sierra had. Like I remember, I think their logo is in like Space Quest Five or something like that. Mm, okay. Huh. Anyway, so yeah, uh, great feedback. Thank you, Carl. Thanks, and, uh, Carl. That's it for old feedback. Yay. Unless we want to read the uh, reams of spam that our uh, podcast email got. <laughs> read, read, read some spam. Read some spam. Read some spam. Spam, spam, spam. Uh, okay. Read, read, pick the best um, one. Let me see if I can locate it. <laughs> Ellie, you brought this upon yourself for bringing up the fact. Yeah, I, should, I shouldn't have brought it up. <laughs> yeah, Ellie. Um, let's see. Let me find a good one. Yeah, it does. Sorry. Yeah, but w- w- it does seem like uh, I guess I okay. noticed this until I was during the good old game sale a couple of weeks ago. But it seems like we're ha- having a little bit of a renaissance of just like smaller adventure games from different indie studios. Mm-hmm. Right. And, like I just found a lot of uh, a lot of games on there from like the last five years, like 2012, 2011. Just like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think the low point was really like early 2000s, mm-hmm. like 2003, 2004. That was kind of when people were going around saying adventure games are dead. It's time to move on. Yeah. And I remember when uh, when Sam and Max got canceled, I remember reading an article where somebody was like, when the next Leisure Suit Larry game comes out, which at that point, that wasn't even an adventure game series anymore. It was just like mm. a, an, like a 
Zelda like exploration. Mm. They were like, if everybody does not go out and buy this game and make it a huge commercial success, then I declare the adventure game genre dead <laughs> forever. <laughs> Rip. Are you serious? Yeah, I was, um, no, this is what the article said, and I wow. remember finding that kind of depressing because mm. we had just gotten on the adventure game band right, exactly. at that point, and just to find out that like people weren't making them anymore. But then, you know, Telltale came along, and there were other indie developers, mm-hmm. and yeah. it, it all worked out. Mm-hmm. I okay, think I'm Telltale gonna... definitely helped. Yeah, The runaway definitely. success of Walking Dead, probably. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. That too. Though, yes. uh, like like Ubaldo said, um, Walking Dead... Or, no, sorry, it was Carl that said it, that uh, Walking Dead was not really uh, an mm-hmm. adventure game proper. Yeah. But, I but... mean, it got people interested in mm-hmm. kind of the genre. Right. I think we should do a Walking Dead episode yeah. at some point. No, I we think should. it's proper. <sighs> anyway, okay, so here's some here's some choice spam from the Threepcast email. Okay. Uh, we received this on August of last year. This is from Leela, and Leela writes, Hello, darling. I'm young and hot. Ooh. I do not want to cry my eyes out anymore because of my stupid boyfriend who left me a week ago. Oh, Sad no. face. <laughs> Are you ready to date with me today? My name is Leela. Let's chat here. This is the best piece of feedback we have. So, ever which seen. one of us is gonna go chat with Leela? Oh man, I, don't know. I think I am. <laughs> I'm sure, it's out. totally legit. I'm yes, hanging out. Yes, 100. How many pieces All right. of uh, fan mail do we get from Leela? <laughs> <laughs> uh, we got quite a few uh, pieces of mail from Leela and her friends from Russia. <laughs> um, <laughs> I feel like if we uh, if we read all of them, we'd be here all day. So if you send in, if you're a Russian mail order bride and uh, you send us feedback, I'm sorry, we're not going to be reading your feedback. Yeah, I, I think we should make this a segment. Unless you talk have, about like, adventure Alex games. romantically uh, reading a piece of fan mail from Leela. <laughs> please, please. <laughs> okay, all right. Let's. Uh, <clears throat> we can make that a future segment, I guess. I'll make a note to do that for <clears throat> episode six. Okay, so. <laughs> Um, I think oh. we are finally ready to <laughs> talk about Day of the Tentacle. Oh, yeah, gosh. boy. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I know that people are not a fan of Wikipedia readings. <laughs> so, do we want to do we want to resurrect the old uh, summarize Wikipedia ninety seconds skit, or do you want me to I, just I like get through it as fast as possible? Summarize Wikipedia. Go, go, go. Okay, can somebody give me a timer? I am. I uh, got I got the timer. Oh, he still's got one. But. Uh, my computer is being a derp. Okay, I got a timer. Hold ah. on. Because I'm cool. Okay, we're ready. Okay. Uh, Tell me when. Can we get, like, that thing from Double Dare? The guy's, like, on your mark. Get set. All right. <laughs> we, this is what we said okay. last time. Yeah, you said that last time, what? Phil. <laughs> yes, did. Oh, you did. We've, we've, we've had this conversation. I'm so great. All right, we ready? <laughs> yeah. On your mark. Get set, go! Day of the Tentacle is a sequel to Maniac Mansion released by LucasArts in 1993. The game's plot follows Bernard Bernoulli and his friends Hoagie and Laverne as they attempt to stop the evil Purple Tentacle from taking over the world. Development of the game was led by Tim Schafer and Dave Grossman. The two had previously worked on uh, Secret of Monkey Island and Monkey Island 2, and the studio felt that Grossman and Schafer's humor matched well with that of Maniac Mansion and suggested working on a sequel. In planning the plot, the designers considered a number of concepts, eventually choosing an idea of Ron Gilbert's about time travel that they believed was the most interesting. Grossman and Schafer decided to carry over previous characters that they felt were the most entertaining. Uh, the game's other protagonist, besides Bernard, who was carried over from Maniac Mansion, are Laverne and Hoagie. Laverne was based on a Mexican ex-girlfriend of Dave Grossman's, and uh, Hoagie was based on a mega-death roadie named Tony that Tim Schafer had met. <laughs> Schaefer and Grossman planned to use a process 
planned to use a character selection system similar to Maniac Mansion, but felt that it would have complicated the design process and increased production costs. Believing that it added little to gameplay, they removed it early in the process and reduced the number of player characters from 6 to 3. They dropped uh, characters including Razor, a female musician who appeared in Maniac Mansion, Moonglow, a short character in baggy clothes, and Chester, a black beat poet. Grossman and Schaefer brainstormed regularly to devise the time travel puzzles and collaborated with members of the development team, as well as other LucasArts employees. The staff conceived puzzles involving the U.S.'s early history based on their memory of their compulsory education. To complete the elements, Grossman researched the period to maintain historical accuracy, visiting libraries and contacting reference librarians. <laughs> Done! But this ah, okay. That was good. All right, so <laughs> some uh, quick factoids about Day of the Tentacle. Yeah. 90 seconds or less. I mean, I would love to play a beat poet and go back and rap. With a black Washington. beat poet? Yeah. <laughs> I think that um, if it weren't for the fact that it would have made the game, like, insanely complicated to program, I think that would have been cool if they'd let you pick from a pool of mm -hmm. six characters and, like, choose who goes to which time periods. Well, not yeah. only that, but also just the fact that Day of the Tentacle, everything is voiced. Maniac Mansion didn't have that complicated. Right. right. That would have made it even more complicated if yeah. you'd had six characters in any time period fully mm -hmm. voiced. So yeah, you have well, you just like, end up you know, voicing the entire game for six people. Yeah, basically. Yeah, that would have been. Yeah. <laughs> also, I mean, if that yeah. had been my if that had been my programming duty, I probably would have quit LucasArts if it had been me. <laughs> like, and a lot of the. I feel sorry are... for the voice actors. Yeah. Seriously. I know that the the, uh, the Wikipedia segment's over, but I do want to just quickly mention that um, Day of the Tentacle was the first talkie game that LucasArts ever produced. Mm -hmm. They actually Holy went voice. back to do Phase Fate of Atlantis and Loom later. So huh. this was the first wow. time they'd ever done anything like that. Wow. And I can't imagine, like, if you were up to date with all the LucasArts games playing Day of the Tentacle for the first time, it would be just so, I don't know, refreshing maybe? What a Yeah, seriously, what a breath of fresh air. Like, a lot of adventure <laughs> games tend to have a very dark... Like you were saying, you know, Loom and... Uh, Fate of Atlantis. Fate of Atlantis are very dark and serious. And, you know, they're great games. But Dave the Tentacle, just... You can't beat that sort of zany humor, I think. It's right. really just a wonderful, wonderful... The other yeah. thing is, like, how big Dave the Tentacle looks compared to, like, Fate of Atlantis, which was the previous game that LucasArts made. Like, they'd kind of been sticking to the tiny, like, Monkey Island-sized sprites up to that point. But Dave the Tentacle, they, like, totally changed the perspective of the screen... So the characters are very big and animated. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think that that was like a huge like uh, benefit for Day of the Tentacle. That, because, you know, they were kind of going for like the Chuck Jones, Looney Tunes kind of look. Yeah. That they they were able to make like make it so big and uh, like vibrant, I guess. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, and it's, it's like they mentioned that uh, they picked the characters they thought were the most entertaining. It's like right. Hoagie, Laverne, and Bernard are all like extremely entertaining to... to <laughs> <laughs> to go through the game with. It you just, just feels like they'd be everything. Big, 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 yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Their characters lend themselves to you, like, uh, mm -hmm. messing with everything that they can, you know, get their hands yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, Just because they, they're so entertaining to just watch them go around and do stuff. Right. Yeah, and they, they really do fit, like, I don't know who, how they decided who went into which time period, but I mm -hmm. think their personalities mesh perfectly no, I know. with the time periods they get stuck in. Like, having Hoagie, uh, be stuck in the past and talk to uh, George Washington. You know, <laughs> characters from United States history is such yeah. a stroke of genius. I mean, it's it it's a borrows a little bit from Bill and Ted's Excellent uh -huh. Adventure, I think, but like mm. the way it's executed in Day of the Tentacle is so perfect. Like, yeah, it wouldn't have worked for either of the other two characters. And I think you could say that for the other two time periods as well. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> do you guys uh, want to talk about like 
your uh, first memories of getting this game? Because I think what's interesting about Day of the Tentacle is this was actually like our first proper adventure game that we ever played. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The, that we ever sincerely tried to get through. Okay, I'll, I think I'll start. K King's Quest VI is the first. Uh, okay, <laughs> technically King's Quest VI. <laughs> let me let me rephrase that. Day of the Tentacle is the first adventure game we ever owned. Uh. Like back in the like the late '90s, um, when we got our CD-ROM drive, um, a friend of my dad's <laughs> was lending us his uh, computer games, and uh, one of them was King's Quest VI. And I remember we tried that for a little bit, and we thought it was really hard. Like, oh, um, what do we do? <laughs> Get into this castle. We kept falling in the lake. Do you remember that? Because mm -hmm. we well, that that boy wants us to go swimming. We should we should go swimming, and we kept falling. <laughs> anyway, yes. so I remember we played King's Quest VI, and then uh, Rebel Assault was uh, one of the other games that got lent to us. Um, that was another LucasArts game that was mm -hmm. from roughly the same time as uh, Day of the Tentacle. Was that an adventure so, game? Or? No, that was just a Star Wars like game where you'd fly around and uh, you know shoot yeah. stuff. Oh, okay. But it had a uh, Day of the Tentacle demo on there, and I remember that we like you know finished playing Rebel Assault, and we would see the menu of all the demos on the disc. Oh, what's this? And we'd check it out. And I remember thinking, this game looks so weird. Just because, mm -hmm. like, we didn't really understand, like, how, like, what the format was for adventure games. So I wasn't really sure, like, how this was even, like, a game. Like, mm -hmm. just like games were like Mario, where you, like, run from left to right and jump mm -hmm. on stuff. Yeah. So it seemed, like, very weird. And I thought maybe it was, like, you know, one of those educational, like, magic school bus type games <laughs> where you, like, click on stuff and get little factoids about, you know, history or mm -hmm. whatever. Mm -hmm. I had no clue what the game was about. <laughs> and then, like, we forgot, we completely forgot about it for, like, years. <laughs> and then, I don't remember what brought it back to my memory, but, like, we were just hanging out one evening. I think it was, like, late 2001. That I suddenly, mm -hmm. it popped back into my mind. I was like, oh, yeah, Day of the Tentacle. I remember that. I wonder what that was about. And then uh, we went and looked it up. And then I remember I put it on my Christmas list for that year. And then, uh, you know how every Christmas there's always like that one thing that like you stick with regardless of what other presents you get mm -hmm. that you always keep going back to that one thing that was Day of the Tentacle for me that year like <laughs> we'd go open more presents but then like whenever we take a break okay back to Day of the Tentacle <laughs> I remember yep, it, was, yep, yep. it was very exciting and very uh, interesting and uh, yeah like so I, w I was 11 at the time and it, it totally captured my imagination yeah. For those who don't know, our Christmases take a very long time, so we have to take several <laughs> breaks. <laughs> right. And I, I remember getting very excited about all the little individual lines of dialogue. Like, mm -hmm. I, would, I would play a part of the game and then go run and tell Anton. Be like, hey, Anton, guess what? Guess what you can say to George Washington? You can ask him, like, what does he do with his teeth? And he'll say he polishes them with wood polish. Isn't that funny? <laughs> <laughs> and we I, just roll our eyes yeah. at you. <laughs> yeah. See what my first memories of Dave the Tentacle are. I went back to the house, uh, to the back of the house one day, and you were on the internet frantically searching for Dave the Tentacle things. And you're like, "Do you remember this game? We saw this trailer for it a long time ago." And I was like, "I have no idea what you're talking about, man." And then, and then I forgot about it until Christmas. And then you were playing it, and I was like, "Ah, this looks all right, I guess." That, that, yeah. The other thing, because we had never beaten an adventure game before, we didn't really understand the principle of. If you go get a walkthrough, the mm. adventure game length will shorten down to like hours <laughs> instead of how, yeah, it'll shorten down to nil. Basically, we didn't mm. understand that because before, you know, even with like we would usually play games with strategy yeah. guides in front of us, and that wouldn't really decrease the the gameplay time. Right. So I remember being horribly disappointed after we like we got stuck pretty much everywhere. We didn't know what to do. We got a guide, and then we like got through the rest of the game in like a day and a half. <laughs> 
<laughs> and then I was like, wait, that's it? Oh, no. Yeah. It was, so, uh, it was a lot of fun, though. Because I remember after a- watching you play it for a while, I started to kind of get into the groove of it and be like, this is pretty cool. It had a huge, huge influence no, yeah. on, like, our, uh, like, kind of just the... Our uh, creative output, like, our creative forever output. afterward. Like, if you look at... Um, we used to do uh, like little stupid like computer games with click and play. You they know. weren't stupid. They were cool. <laughs> if you look at like, there's a clear demarcation of like our style of making games mm-hmm. pre Day no, of the true. Tentacle and post Day of the Tentacle. Like, you can really see how it influenced us and how mm-hmm. we kind of borrowed from it and tried to emulate it and you know all that. Like we even made like a fan game that was supposed to be a sequel to Day of the Tentacle, and it was very unimaginative. It was basically just a retread of Day of the Tentacle with new puzzles. <laughs> but I, I always admired the way that you coded all of that together in Games Factory, though. It's yeah, like, it was Games very, Factory. It was very elaborate. Games Factory is not uh, built for um, for adventure games. It's built for side scrollers. So the fact that we were able to reverse engineer a point and click <laughs> game inside of Games Factory. It was really buggy. It was like almost impossible to like play it as a real game. But hey, you know, we did we tried. it. <laughs> cool. We did it. Uh, Phil, do you have any fond memories of playing Day of the Tentacle for the first time? Um, honestly, I can't remember playing it for the first time. I mean, I remember. I like you know, it's kind of one of those things I always just remember playing. Like, mm-hmm. I, I can't think of a time that we didn't know about Day of the Tentacle. Honestly. Yeah. So it's kind of. Like when I went back and played it uh, a couple of weeks ago, it was very, very weird feeling. Like I knew all the puzzles still. It was like that ingrained mm-hmm. in me. So right. It, I think at this point it'd be safe to say it's kind of like a part of us. Just how much we played Definitely. it and how much we loved it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we I, we all. Oh, go ahead, Alex. Uh, I I have never played Day of the Tentacle. I've just watched other <laughs> people play it. He so watched Phil play it. It's, it's not. It's not a part of me. Oh! Get Alex is the Alex is the objective uh, observer who is not on board with the hype overload I've wagon. Never finished an adventure <laughs> game other than Strong Bad's cool game. See, Alex is on here because he thought we were going to be talking about Strong Bad. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> wah, wah. That's a good so, game. We'll get there eventually. I think another way that uh, Day of the Tentacle has really influenced us is like within a year of playing it, we all got together. Like with our uh, our childhood friends uh, Christopher and Keaton Zahorsky, we all got together and decided we need to make a movie about Day of the Tentacle, mm-hmm. and so we did end up doing that. It we made uh, we made a feature length film out of Day of the Tentacle, and it was not great, but <laughs> it was our first time uh, using a computer to make special effects like the Chrono John mm, and oh, yeah, yeah. the Future. Like before, we had always just used whatever was around. This was our first time trying to do something that was like required like things that were not real oh but we did build an actual chronogen out of a refrigerator box and some stuff from our garage (laughs) we did we built the yeah we painted a refrigerator box it was really impressive in retrospect yeah i know like i wish we would do more stuff like that with our movies now is like make real uh, Mm -hmm. practical props uh the other thing that we did was my mom sewed us uh purple and green tentacle costumes uh we used these uh tomato cages (laughs) which are uh uh cone shaped and I thought, oh, that'd be perfect for like a model for uh, for the tentacle costumes. And at the time, Alex was so young and so tiny that he could fit inside the uh, tomato cage and hop up and down. So Alex mm-hmm. got to play uh, purple and green tentacle when we filmed it. I'm very proud. It was the start of my great illustrious. Oh, <laughs> yes. And the coolest thing I think was just the fact that actually uh, Tim Schafer ended up noticing it. <laughs> right. I know. That was Should so I- bizarre. 
should I put the audio on here from when I talked to Tim Schaefer? I think oh, that'd be can. Yeah. So um, I actually got to meet Tim Schaefer at uh, PAX in 2013, and I had him sign my Day of the Tentacle box. And uh, I asked him uh, if he remembered our uh, Day of the Tentacle movie because um, apparently oh, yeah, yeah. they had that uh, it, yeah it, launch, it, launching that adventure game. Right, book. right, right. Okay, yeah, so let me back up. Five years <laughs> previous to that, um, they were doing a, a History of LucasArts book called Rogue Leaders, which you should get if you're a fan of LucasArts games. It's a really, really cool, or, or you know, Lu- not just adventure games, but LucasArts games in general. It's a really cool history of LucasArts. And um, they, uh, one of the uh, people who was organizing the, uh, the book signing party, which I think it happened like in California or something, they uh, emailed me in 2008 and said, hey, we found your Day of the Tentacle movie on YouTube. Do you mind if we show it at the book signing party? There's going to be like all these LucasArts alum there. And I was like, yeah, of course. <laughs> and so um, they gave us as like a, a thank you for that. They sent us a free copy of the book. And in the book, there is a note from Tim Schafer, which I can just read it right now because it's framed on my wall, like right in front of me. <laughs> it, was, it was beautiful. It, it says, was beautiful. It says, hey, Elliot, I loved your movie. Better than the original. Do full throttle next, please. Your number one fan, Tim Schafer. <laughs> oh, gosh. Oh, gosh. And that was, that was huge for us. Yeah, it was, it was pretty big. It's still pretty mind-boggling. I know, yeah. really, seriously. And um, so, yeah, then five years later, I went to PAX, and I got to meet Tim Schafer. So I asked him if he remembered our Day of the Tentacle movie. And uh, yeah, I'll just go ahead and play the audio. I don't know if you remember this or not, but when I was 15, my friends and I made a Day of the Tentacle movie. 15. I've seen one on YouTube that was like yeah. three parts. And yeah, that was, you that was me, yeah. I, like, I shared that with them. That, that was, pretty, that was amazing, yeah, I like that. Yeah, thank you. Oh, I didn't Thanks. know that was you. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's probably better than most video game movie adaptations out there. Oh, thank you. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah, could I get a picture? low bar. <laughs> so yeah. Pretty cool. Yeah. Dank beats. Dank beats from Tim Schafer. With the shapes. With the shapes. As we all know, Tim Schafer is a uh, a common yeah. listener of our podcast. <laughs> oh yes. Tim Schafer, thank you for thank all you do for us. I was gonna say thank you for your audio feedback. Oh yeah. <laughs> Tim, thanks for the audio feedback. <laughs> it was great Tim. to hear from you. Tim. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yes. So anyway, yes, Day of the Tentacle has been a big part of our lives. Yeah, it's been very, uh, very cool to have it. Mm-hmm. Um, and for good yep. reason. It is a very well designed game. I going back to play it this last time. It really kind of blew my mind. Do you want to go first, Anton? Just kind of go jump into what you have to uh, say about the game. Well, you can go ahead. I don't want to cut. No, no, you, you've already started. Go. go okay. For it. Okay. I mean. I guess all I was going to say was that I was just impressed. You know, I, I remembered uh, from watching you play it, it sort of so okay, that's how you solve the puzzles, and I just sort of remembered the little rabbit trail you take to get through the game. But it wasn't, and I actually did, I don't think I've played it since you got it that one time. Like, I just kind of left it in the back of my brain, so coming back to it this last month, it was like, uh, I don't know, I, I, I remembered some of the puzzles, and then some of them I, I couldn't remember, like, the vending machine puzzle. I was like, how do you do that again? Oh, really? But what I noticed was that all of the puzzles, it's like, if you look at something or t- talk to people who are n- nearby the puzzle, then they'll in it always, without fail, say something that gives you a little clue about what you need to be doing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, the, all the puzzles rely on cartoon logic, so it's not necessarily intuitive, but if you talk to somebody or look at get all the little observations the characters will make about stuff, it'll kind of clue you into, oh, I need to do that thing. Mm-hmm. And sort of point you in the right direction. It's like there's there. I guess 
there aren't any puzzles that it's just like, well, I, I had no no reason to be expected to be able to figure that out. Right, yeah, that's a good observation. Like, even though the, the logic is a little warped sometimes, like, mm -hmm. if you pay careful attention to all the dialogue, like, somebody will say something that is supposed to clue you in, oh, I need to be doing this. Yeah. Like, um... I, yeah, I know what you're talking about. I can't think of a good example off the top of my head. Well, what about, like, washing the the, the carriage? Yeah, so it's like you, uh, you're supposed to get Ben Franklin to go inside, and so he keeps saying... Or, no, sorry, let me back up. He's You're trying to get rain for him so that he can do his mm -hmm. kite experiment, but yeah. then he ends up going inside and, uh, like, retreating for some reason. So anyway, the idea is, like, oh, well, you need to get rain... And so, like, if you're, you know, aware of, like, the uh, the common urban legend that, you know, if you wash your car, then it, it'll start raining. Then there's <laughs> this really dirty carriage in front of the inn in the past, and you're supposed to go and wash it. Mm hmm It's like, even if you don't know that you need to wash it, the fact that it's there and it's so prominent on the screen, it's like, I probably need to do something with this. And you look at it and Hoagie will be like, oh, it's really dirty or something. And right. Like, oh, maybe I have to clean it because I haven't done anything with this carriage yet. Right. Or like with Weird Ed, when you're talking to him, he keeps bringing up his stamp collection over yeah, and over yeah, yeah, right. and how important it is to him and how, like, and like how important, yeah, like just, mm -hmm. like you start to wonder, oh, what's going to happen if something bad happens to his stamp collection? Yeah, yeah, yeah. or like, uh, yeah, this is, I guess this is the one I was thinking of. I, I'd forgotten it off right off the top of my head, but, uh, if I some point something. when you're talking to Dr. Fred, he meant uh, about how we can stop purple tentacle. He mentions pushing an old lady down the stairs. <laughs> right, because so you know that like plants the idea in your brain, and then you go upstairs and you see Nurse Edna, and she's rolling around on this chair with wheels on it. And you're like, mm -hmm. <laughs> like if she were just standing there, and be like, well, what do I do? But she's okay. already moving around a lot. Uh, on on right. the like, hmm. on the note of the uh, stamp collection, even right. if you don't have any idea of what you're supposed to do, and you're completely stumped, you can mm -hmm. just assume that you're supposed to mess with the stamp collection and right, get something yeah. done. Like, yeah, even, right. even if you don't know where you're going with it, you're like, well, I know kind of what I need to do with it, even though I don't know what I'm going to do after that next. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, the other thing is the puzzles encourage you to, like, be a prankster and mess with people. Mm -hmm. So it's like you can, like, <laughs> yeah. you know, squirt disappearing ink on random people. And there's, like, a different interaction for every single person that you squirt disappearing really? ink on. Yeah. It's so great. Can you give the disappearing <laughs> ink to Hoagie in the fast? And yes. Yes. Oh. And you can squirt it on founding fathers and <laughs> you know pretty much everybody. It's, it's just great. so beautiful. Yeah. Yes. Like so, when it comes to the puzzles, like I think this is the first game, probably the one that is the best. That like it's so rewarding, not from like oh I solved the puzzle, but just to see what happens next. That too. From a mm -hmm. humor perspective. Mm -hmm. It's also consistently funny. It. Like all the, the puzzles time. are very rewarding to solve. I do remember the few that we were able to figure out as kids. I remember getting very excited whenever some we get it right yeah. and figure something yeah. out. Yeah, yes. mm -hmm. <laughs> it was a good time. Yeah, Phil, do you want to go ahead and with your bit? Oh, that was kind of. I've been thinking like it's just it's difficult to dissociate it like from something that I've always known and just kind mm -hmm. of see it as if you don't know anything about it, like what would you be wanting to hear about this game? It's probably the most inventive adventure game out there. Even to this day, I'd say like, yeah, I'm someone who's never played day of the tentacle and I want to know why should I spend time on a game that will waste a bunch of time? <laughs> well, first, it's not a long game, so you're, no. it's not like a JRPG where you invest like oh, 100 plus hours into it just to get to the end. 
Yeah, I think if you were to approach this game as an adult or even like, you know, a reasonably seasoned video game player, I don't think it would take you that long to get through. No. I think the only reason we got stuck was because we were kids and we didn't yeah. know that you were supposed to pay attention and pick up everything and right. we didn't really get it. So, like, it's real. I, I've heard people say, like, if you play it for the first time now, it's not that long of a game. It's pretty mm -hmm. quick to get through. Mm -hmm. yeah. I think. But I guess the, the best. The, the, uh, yeah. Yeah, you go. Uh, I was just going to say the compelling reason to play it is, I guess, mainly just that it's really funny. Yeah, it's, it's a, very, very funny. It's just, just a feel... fun, like, it's a joy to play, honestly. Like, mm. you don't feel. Like, we were talking about, you know, you want to just talk to everything. Uh, yeah. Look at everything and just try everything with everything, like squirting the founding fathers' bank and all that. Mm -hmm. Just you can mm -hmm. do so much in the game, and but, it's not too difficult. So you're not like pulling your hair out, or you. It's not the chance like you can die like in a Sierra game. Mm -hmm. the, on, mm -hmm. on the note of the Sierra games, I think it's nice that they have the tentacles. A game that's relaxing. There's no pressure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. right. That too. This uh, this got chopped off of my Wikipedia reading. But um, th one of the other things about Day of the Tentacle is this was the first LucasArts game where it's impossible to die. Really? really? Yeah, and it's impossible. Because huh. in Fate of Atlantis, oh, you could die. Yeah. Monkey Island 2 and Monkey Island 1, there are like these bizarre edge cases where if you push <laughs> the game hard enough, yes, you can die. Uh -huh. um, but this was the first game where they deliberately designed it. It's impossible to die, and it's impossible to get stuck. Yeah. And well, so it is... Okay, oh, Monkey Island 2 is kind of ridiculous. Like, you have to, to know that. about it to do that. I well, yeah. yeah. I mean, it was it was in the design that you shouldn't be able to die. Like, right. Since uh, I don't know. I guess in Zach McCracken. Well, yeah. You could die you, in Zach McCracken. You can die. Oh, can you? So what's the first one that's like? Death is not a prominent part of the design, though. Probably Loom. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I, I guess mean, you, you can die in part of, of the Atlantis, story. <laughs> This is this is true. Yeah, actually, now that I think about it, I don't think you can die in Loom, but I think you can get stuck. Yeah. Well, I mean, but if yeah, you don't, yeah, yeah. like memorize like, the co color combos, this then is yeah, true. you definitely get stuck. If you're dumb about it. <laughs> but. But yeah, having it so you can't die makes it feel like a, a safe. It's very safe just to sort of wander around and talk to people and just relax and kind of have a good time jamming right. with it, you know. Yeah, like, you're not scared to, like, you know... Try stuff. Yeah, to, like, use disappearing ink on purple tentacle. You're not afraid mm -hmm. the game is suddenly going to kill you for no reason. Right. And that that helps with the puzzle design, too, I think, because it makes it, like, you you feel like... It's safe if, to try if, stuff. Yeah, if there's a pocket of stuff that you haven't explored yet, or stuff you haven't tried, then you should go try it, because that might be the answer to your puzzle. Mm -hmm. Instead of, like, I, I maybe should go over there, but... I don't want to die and lose all my progress here. Right, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, so that was a great design decision on yes. their part. It's um, true. Is everybody done so far? Alex, do you want to say a few words about Day of the Tentacle in general? I don't know. It's probably the best out of the adventure game genre, as far as I can tell. What, 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 were, what were your initial impressions watching Phil play it this last, the last time? The art style was weird. Mm -hmm, okay. Uh, I at this. It, uh, what do you think of the voice acting and the uh, the music? It, that seemed all fine and stuff. I, I don't know. It, it seemed like it was probably a good game. Mm -hmm. I probably a good game. Yeah. I, I can't say anything else about it. <laughs> <laughs>
Um, is it 256 colors or is it yes? Six? Okay, because I was noticing this time it didn't strike me that, like this originally, but that the uh, character sprites are very simple. It's like there's not really a lot of shading on it. It's just kind of like mm -hmm. outlines and solid colors. Right. Yeah. Yeah, they were they were going for that Chuck Jones. Right. Kind of look. Exactly. It looks very vibrant. Mm -hmm. It's very striking. Yes. 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 I would say. Um, the uh, the art style is definitely very very fun to look at. Like mm -hmm. this is one of those games where I like to just stop and just look at the background for a while. And I can't say that about a lot of games where I just like I just really enjoy looking at the wacky angles and everything, and just how beautifully like warped everything looks. Mm -hmm. The music <laughs> is great. The voice acting is top notch. Yep, but yep, yep. I think what really sets Day of the Tentacle apart is the the design of everything. Like, I think having the whole thing take place in one area in different time periods mm -hmm. was brilliant. All the puzzles that involve triggering something in the past and then having it affect future time periods, those are all mm -hmm. brilliant. Mm -hmm. The The game feels very, like, well-balanced between all three time periods where you feel like... It, it's, like, the game is like a perfect triangle from a design perspective, like... All of the three time periods are perfectly balanced. All of the puzzles are perfectly balanced. Like every, it just feels like it's a very well realized game in pretty much every yeah aspect. And it's yeah, it's it's hard for me to be objective because this game has been a part of my life for like 14 years now, <laughs> and I've played it countless times and like memorized pretty much the entire thing. I mean, not every line of dialogue, <laughs> but like the like get, getting. I don't have to like. It, it's hard for me to get stuck on something like this. And I, I do kind of envy you, Anton, because I, I would like to play through Day of the Tentacle again where I, like, honestly forget what I'm supposed to do next. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, this is one of those... Like, there are very few games where I would say this is a perfect game where they didn't miss any design opportunities and, you know, all the puzzles, you know, make sense. Yeah. All the, all the jokes execute well, you know everything mm -hmm. if there was one thing i would change and this uh -oh. is just kind of niggling about uh -oh. it but i would say the ending feels a little rushed yeah okay. just slightly yeah it, not, this, not, this it has a Chris and monkey island feel to it i'd say right well mm -hmm. i don't know if it was actually rushed in design like Chris and monkey island was but it feels like just a tiny tad anticlimactic yeah. yeah like after right but i mean like two puzzles yeah but on the other hand like after like it's kind of like following up you know you, I, yeah. I don't know it's like trying to do a follow-up to citizen i'm mm -hmm. trying to say something other than citizen kane <laughs> but like <laughs> just like the the brilliance of like the section mm -hmm. where everybody's in different time periods right it's like how do you follow that up yeah. So it's like it's they're kind of, they kind of put themselves in a tough position. It's like okay, you just went through this brilliant, well, you know, three piece yeah. adventure game structure, and now it's like you have to have a finale for that. It's like how do you do mm -hmm. that? Well, I mean, I think it's good. I I like it as an ending. It just it's mm -hmm. just a little short. Right. Like they yeah, could no. have added one more puzzle, and it would no one would mm -hmm. think anything about it. I guess. Right. No. Yeah. It's a great ending. I'm not saying it's a bad ending. Yeah. I'm just saying like it it does feel a little short. Right. Like, a little unsatisfactory after how great yeah. what went before was. It's true. So yeah, yes. this is this is a great game. If you if you have not played this, then like I highly highly recommend that you either find a used copy or 
you know, pick up the special edition whenever Double Fine finishes that. <laughs> it's it's really good. I, the other thing I was going to say was uh, I didn't notice until this time flying through that in each of the three time periods, there's a convention in the hotel. Oh, and, dang. Oh, oh man, I didn't notice that either. And what? also, in each of the three time periods, somebody mentions going to Baltimore. Right, yeah, the, well, yeah, I knew about the Baltimore thing. <laughs> Somebody's going to Baltimore in every time period. Yeah. The other thing is you'll notice that there are characters that are repeated yeah. throughout the time period. So, like, mm -hmm. Ben Franklin will reappear in the present day as the cigar salesman. Mm -hmm. And um, I believe that it was that George Washington is supposed to reappear in the future as Harold, but I'm not 100% positive that was intentional. Mm. Harold does bear a resemblance to George oh, Washington. Yeah. And John Hancock is also Dwayne. The He's Dwayne, yeah. Yeah, the depressed guy. Right, the guy, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that was another really clever just the way the game kind of like folds on itself and like will recycle things. Like the way that the backgrounds are like perspective-wise identical in all the time periods, I thought really? was really cool. Yeah, like uh -oh. if you like go to the lobby in all three time mm -hmm. periods, the the layout of how like where the camera is positioned and where everything is is like identical. Yeah. Hmm. Mm -hmm. And and uh at the start of the game like well, I was, yeah, yeah, yeah. So at the start of the game, they uh, misdirect you, right? Because they have the to-do list right there. But they have Dr. Fred go upstairs. So mm -hmm. you, t you kind of tend to follow him, and you just kind of explore the whole mansion before you find it. But what that does is it gives you the layout of the mansion, and then for the rest of the time periods, you, you already know how it's all laid out, so you kind of yeah, know where you're going. Yeah, right. But That's really blowing my mind, what you said about how there's a convention <laughs> in each of the three time yep, periods. Yep, yep. It's, it's pretty great. Anton strikes again. Yeah, that's, I mean, like, yeah, it's just so packed with good, good ideas mm -hmm. that you can, like, continue to unpack it for years and yeah. find all these little cool things that the designers, like, either, you know, intentionally or unintentionally, like, just kind of got in there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's great. So, um, does anyone else have any other general comments? Mm, I think I'm good. Okay, yeah. um, so let's see. I would like to add a new segment to the uh, podcast okay. just for adventure games in general. Uh, <laughs> we should talk about what was our favorite puzzle and what was the worst puzzle <laughs> in the game. Yes. So I'll, uh, I'll go ahead and start. Um, for me, my favorite puzzle in Day of the Tentacle is everything involving the hamster. <laughs> like the, entire, the entire chain of getting the hamster to the future mm -hmm. and then getting him the sweater and then uh, getting him out of the mouse hole and mm -hmm. powering the hamster generator in the future. Like, <laughs> No, I, actually that was the puzzle I was going to say at first. but because the, I, I liked it because the hamster is just so cute all the way through. He's just right. making adorable faces at you. Yeah, right. I know. The hamster is really cute. And uh, you feel bad for having <laughs> to stuff him in that ice chest. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Also, I apologize to if anyone's listening to this and they haven't played Day of the Tentacle. We're like spoiling <laughs> half the puzzles just uh -huh. by talking about it. But I guess that kind of goes without saying. Yeah. But yeah, so that that'd be my favorite. I mean, that's multiple puzzles, I guess. But everything involving like the hamster is, uh, is a favorite of mine. Like I just like all the pieces that go into that, like mm -hmm. getting the hamster preserved into the future and then accommodating like all of his uh, complaints about how he's too wet and then. And he runs away, and you got to get him out of the mouse hole. Like it's everything that go feeds into that is really brilliant. Yeah, it's true. It's it's so good. 
And uh, probably my worst puzzle would be either the hubcap, <laughs> which <laughs> is uh, this hubcap shows up in the future and there's no use for it. And that always bothered me. You can like put it into a recycling machine and get it out of your inventory, but it doesn't serve any purpose in the game. <laughs> either that or, uh, or switching the beds in the attic. Uh, yeah. That is only because I feel like that's one of the few puzzles where the uh, the game's interface was kind of like In making it more difficult than it needed to be. Because like mm -hmm. choosing the right verbs to get Hoagie to switch the mattresses, I thought was kind yeah. of uh, difficult to uh, figure out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Even agree. like on repeated playthroughs, it's kind of like, well, do I pick up the mattress or use mattress with mattress? And it's not really clear. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That was like probably the la one of the last puzzles I solved. Because I was like, how do, how do I do this? And I kept coming back to it, and I was like, I can't remember. And then finally I realized the bed one bed was squeaky and the other one wasn't, and I was like, oh. Alright, well, so well, 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 well. we uh, just got some last minute uh, audio feedback from someone who just recently played Day of the Tentacle, Not but would well, prefer well. to remain anonymous. <laughs> oh man. So, here we go. Oh, Anonymous. This anonymous person's feedback on what they thought of Day of the Tentacle. I just go. So anonymous. Okay. Well, so you you played uh, Day of the Tentacle for the first time recently, right? Yes. For all, for all of us, like we've played it several times, we're all very familiar with it. So we're not very we're not as objective <laughs> as someone else who's played it for the first time. We can't tell you this person's name, but we happen to call <laughs> no, her Zero. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So see I all of these pictures in the Skype call. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I can see all the pictures. Well, pl well played. <laughs> well played. I worry about you. <laughs> anyway, so my favorite part about Day of the Tentacle was definitely the dialogue, because it was hilarious. The puzzles, I felt, were a little hit or miss. Like, they did some really clever things. For instance, like, the use of time to turn the wine into vinegar, I thought was really clever because, you know, that makes sense if you have a time machine. But other things didn't make so much sense, like sticking the hamster in the freezer and then picking him out, like, <laughs> a thousand years later or whatever. <laughs> that made much less sense. It's like freezing so. him in ice and then he defrosts him in the mm. future. This isn't Captain America. <laughs> oh! <laughs> There's just much less obvious. Mm -hmm. So if you were to pick a favorite puzzle, what would your favorite one be? I think my favorite puzzle would probably be the... Well, they're all kind of intertwined, so it's a little hard <laughs> to say what's the single puzzle. Mm -hmm. My favorite puzzle would probably be how you got things from... Dr. Edison in the past by getting a help wanted poster from the future and then how you got stuff mm. for Dr. Edison in the future by getting stuff from Dr. Edison in the past. Mm. <laughs> that might be several puzzles depending <laughs> on how you define That's it. That's okay. I chose several puzzles for my favorite puzzle. And so your least favorite was the hamster in the ice. I would actually say my least favorite was the mummy dress up in <laughs> costume just because that didn't make any sense to me especially on the hair mm -hmm. like I got the spaghetti as the hair but it took me forever and just random trying to figure out you're supposed to twirl it with the fork mm -hmm. otherwise it yep. didn't work yep. <laughs> it's, yeah, yeah that's pretty bad 
I wonder if that uh, was Tim Schafer's idea or someone else's. I don't know. Yeah, Tim, we trusted you. <laughs> yeah, Tim. <laughs> so, favorite Any puzzle, probably chopping down the cherry tree just because that's the moment you get all three going at once. That mm. was such a good feeling when I first did it. Mm. Least mm. favorite? Uh, oh, that's hard. Least favorite? Probably it'd have to be the whole, like, getting Dr. Fred out of the attic. That is just... Mm. If you don't know what you're doing, it would take forever. The IRS. The hot spot on that was awful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think, like... I just said my least favorite puzzle was um, switching the beds in the attic for the same reason, just because mm -hmm. it's hard to figure out what the hot spots are. Right. So I think there's a, a there's even a difference between like the bed itself and then the mattress. Yeah. And you have to make that distinction in order to solve the puzzle. It's one of those things where you know what you want to do, but you don't know how to make the game do it for you. Right. Yes. It's like <laughs> struggling with the interface. Um, my favorite puzzle is actually I'm going to, I'm going to go for the to do list puzzle. Because oh, it's just the... such a huge misdirect, right? It's like, it's, right. it's right there, but they have Dr. Fred lead you the wrong way, and you, like, pretty much wander around in the whole mansion until you talk to Green Tentacle. He's like, do you know where the to-do list is? And he's like, it's probably downstairs in the lab. <laughs> <laughs> right. Mm -hmm. I, I just thought that was great this time. But What's your least favorite puzzle? I'm going to say getting Dr. Fred to sign the contract. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, really? Yes. I, I didn't remember how to do it, right? So I got I got all the way to where I had the contract, and I was like, okay, I finally did it. You know, I got through all the IRS stuff. I gave him the coffee. Now he's like, here it is. And he's like, I don't sign anything I haven't read. And I'm like, what are you doing? Stop. <laughs> and then I was like, okay, well, I need to find some other item to make him do it, because I somehow got out of the conversation without, like, talking him into it. So I was like, I wandered everywhere, and I tried to talk to everybody, and I was like, I can't figure this out. And I tried to use it on him again, and I was like, maybe I'll just go through all these conversation options. And there's just one of them where he was like, well, you know, I'm going to use it to trick, or if it's a petition against a uh, purple tentacle or something. And he's like, okay, and then he signs it, and it's like, this is, this is terrible. <laughs> I think, I, I think in that case, um, all of the uh, conversation options will work there. Yeah. Like, no matter no matter what you yeah, say, I know. some the contract that won't. is for. I, I, I messed around with it a bit. I did something that didn't work, I don't know, and I got out of the conversation and I was like, well, I guess that didn't work. It was right. super sad. Alex, um, mm -hmm. since you've never played Day of the Tentacle, yes, I'm assuming you don't have a favorite oh. or a least favorite puzzle. Well, I, I, I don't have a favorite or least favorite puzzle, but I did think about something. And hmm. if you think about it, the, the whole idea of puzzles in a game like this is kind of just a way to pad out the game artificially. But, but it is the game. But no, the game is the story. That's why people oh, like The Walking Dead. No. Because well, it's more story and less no puzzles. That's like saying that levels are just a way to pad out a Mario game. <laughs> but you sort play of, Mario if, to if have Mario the action platform. We, we're opening up a huge can of worms. Oh here. gosh! Okay, all right. Yeah, seriously. All right. Really that, these are just my dank, these are my dank beats of the day. Th that's so. some, some, something better... to ponder for the audience listening at home. Hey you! Yeah you! Ponder this. Chew on that for a while. <laughs> this might be a better discussion to have for the Walking Dead. Episode yeah, probably. we get to that. Stand topic. Okay. Stay on topic. I, I like the puzzles that involve the, the puzzles where you solve it so you can solve a puzzle with a different character. You know? Mm -hmm. 
I yeah, like those I like a lot. That. I think those yeah. are cool. All the time travel stuff is so cool. Like where you have to get Hoagie to break the right arm statue so it changes arms in the present. Yeah, I, I don't want to hurt in any puzzles feelings, so I won't tell you my least favorite. <laughs> no, you, don't to, you can't pick favorites. They're yeah, like your children. Right. You love them all. You, you love them all. Okay. <laughs> so, do you guys have any other general comments? Any other final thoughts? I think I, we've kind of exhausted it. I'm going to say my favorite line of dialogue is when Bernard looks at the phone. Because <laughs> it's so what? over the top. If you look at what is if you look at the phone, like any phone, then he'll be like, sturdy design, attractive housing? All in all, a fine phone. <laughs> it's like, what are you doing? Anton Bernard's he's, phone man. He's, he's just, he just loves those phones. He just gives you a full phone review whenever you look at the phone. There you go. That's, that's all I got. There you go. <laughs> I, right, I, I, I gotta, um, gotta say it. Do you have anything else you want to say? Laverne is amazing. Oh. Laverne is amazing. Yes. Laverne is my yes. my mentor so, now. So much. <laughs> I really wanted to have a scene where Laverne stabbed a tentacle, but it didn't happen. <laughs> well, she and her therapist have talked about this. They have yes, an agreement. <laughs> her darn therapist messed up everything. Laverne is okay. great. So, um, we did get one piece of uh, Day of the Tentacle specific feedback that somebody sent in oh, man. this episode. So we're going to read that now. Okay. Um, just adjust this. Do you have anything else you want to say she's gonna be present okay um all right this feedback comes to us from peter stockwell Woo! and he writes um hey guys thanks so much for doing this i first experienced day of the tentacle when i was probably about five or six years old my dad and brother had acquired it from a pc show and i was immediately entranced by the surreal chuck jones like art style the puzzles though proved a bit much for me I'd yet to learn the invaluable uh, sorry. I'd yet to learn the invaluable skill of picking up anything not nailed down that has since proved me in good stead as I slowly make my way through the LucasArts Pantheon. <laughs> it was especially evident in Dot as gameplay was divided by three characters. It made the puzzles more interesting and progression tangible. Additionally, like all point-and-click adventure games, Dot required a peculiar logic that was difficult to grasp. I remember feeling locked out from the majority of the game, able to see parts of what I had to do, yet unable to connect the necessary actions into a logical chain. As a result, the game held a certain mystique for me that was only compounded when, shortly after acquiring it, the CD was scratched. To this day, I treat my games with a delicate hand, not unlike diffusing a bomb, so as not to send it into an early grave. Many, many years later, we reacquired the game along with several others as part of collection of LucasArts games from the era. Finally, I had the skill necessary to finally complete the game with minimal help. The beautiful sprite work, clever puzzles, and witty dialogue firmly fixed this game in my heart as a treasure. You guys are the best. Sincerely, Peter Stockwell. Yay. Yay. Well, thank you. So, thank you for that, Peter. Yes. Um, yeah. Hope you continue to write in feedback, because yeah. we always like hearing from people <laughs> about the podcast. Yes. Um, but so, yeah, I think, I think that... That is true, though. Ahead. I mean, it's... The being able to play the game relies a lot on knowing the adventure game tropes about picking up everything and like having everything be like well, you have to you have to do something with everything that's interactive kind of thing. Isn't that right. kind of appealing to the audience of people who play these kind of games? Right, who's, who've played adventure games before? Like a lot of the early adventure games are like kind of a role playing thing where you have to like get kind of get into the head of the character and be like, well, what would make sense to do if I were in this situation and kind of do those mm -hmm. things instead of in this one where it's just like you have to go into the adventure game headspace and kind of 
like use everything with everything and do everything is interactive and all that. Right. Like it's a different way to play it, I guess. Yeah, and I again, like I think that that was kind of like why we got stuck also mm -hmm. first time. No, we yeah, we didn't understand all of those uh, tropes about how you're supposed to right. actually pay attention to what people's problems are and mm -hmm. help them solve yeah. what their you know particular issues are. Hmm. <laughs> right. This Pay attention true. to people. Try to solve their problems. Yeah. Hey. Then, then you'll get to the end of the game. <laughs> With all the points. Yes. Oh, I did it. Hey. What did you do, Alex? Uh, I defeated the enemy's archangel. <laughs> I take it you're not playing Day of the Tentacle right now. Oh, I, I am playing David, Day of the Tentacle. <laughs> I am playing David Tentacle. <laughs> David Tentacle. <laughs> David Tentacle for president. I, I really enjoyed all the little newspaper clippings that uh, appear when you're hanging around in the prison during the game. Oh yeah, all the, all the interlude cutscenes. So are so so hilarious. It's like the I remember the rash of cow tipping in the countryside. I remember one time we played through Day of the Tentacle. We did nothing except sit around mm -hmm. and try to prompt all of the yeah cutscenes to show up. I remember that. That was great. How do you prompt the interlude cutscenes? Well, it's just like if you wait too long in one time period, eventually the game detects mm -hmm. that you're spending a long time and it'll give you a cutscene yeah. to kind of give you a, a nudge in the right direction. Mm -hmm. Or just keep it so, entertaining, yeah. Right. But they're also entertaining, though. It's, it's, it's great. Anyway, um, I think that's it for Day of the Tentacle. That's unless tentacle. anybody has any last, last, last minute thoughts they want to get in really quick. Nope. It's great. I, I think it's cool. <laughs> okay. Yay. Alright, so um, for our next episode, um, Anton has picked a little-known adventure game ooh, that ooh, I ooh. think none of us have played except for Anton uh, <laughs> called Gemini Roo. <laughs> okay. And um, Anton, do you want to give a summary of this if people want to uh, pl try this out or uh, uh, send in feedback or, or where they can get it? Well, so it's like film noir in space, basically. Okay. You I play like these that. two characters in this future future setting where one of them is like an ex-assassin who's turned police detective. And the other one is a man who's lost his memory and he lives in this space station where they recondition criminals. And okay. so it's 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 really well written. I, I it's not, not super long. Mm -hmm. uh, I enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, it's only ten dollars on good, good old games and it's also available on like tablets and phones and stuff for like five dollars i think is it on steam um probably probably maybe almost certainly let's find out okay yes 9.99 i don't think we lost internet okay so it's generally available yeah it's, it's generally available it's pretty recent i think last three or four years uh, I, I got it during the good old game sale it turned out to be really good so yeah. Okay. So Recommended. That'll, yay. That'll be our next episode. I think this will be the first one that we've uh, done where most of us have not played it previously to, yeah. uh, to podcast recording, so it'll be a little different. Mm -hmm. So, all right. I think that's it. Um, thank you guys for listening. Uh -huh. Thank you to um, anonymous people that joined in at the last second. Woo. Thank you, Zero. It was appreciated. Um... And I think that's it. Yeah. So we'll see you next week, right, Ali? See you next tune week. in next year for. The oh right. <laughs> yeah. So I, I don't think we're gonna try to do this on a weekly basis like we did last summer. I okay. think the mm -hmm. new schedule is we're going to do 
at least one episode every one or two months. Yes, okay. monthly ish. Which I think is more manageable for game playing. Mm -hmm. So that gives oh, that also gives other people more time to uh, locate the game and play yeah. it mm -hmm. if they want to send us send uh, their feedback. Yeah. 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 So, all right. Um, thank you, everyone who joined in. Thank you to everyone who sent in feedback. Yeah. yeah. Uh -huh. And uh, we will see you guys next time. All right. Yeah. Bye. 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 Somehow I knew this was going to happen. They got him while I was getting my family off world to Colony 4. Real. Do you really want to go back there just after we escaped? He's my brother. I'm not going to leave him behind.